Hey guys, don't forget to check out our website, besthouroftheirday.com, where you can download 50 questions to ask at the whiteboard. And you can also check out all of the great book recommendations from our amazing guests. If you go to the header right under podcast, you'll see the drop down for book club and you can check that out. Thanks again for all of the support you've showed us. We really appreciate you sharing the podcasts you love on social media. Please tag us at best hour of their day as often as you can. And if you haven't already, please head over to Apple podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way to spread the word. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Best Hour of Their Day. We hope you enjoyed the episodes we brought to you last week. We got tremendous feedback about Chris and Doug. Those two are hysterical and a lot of heated debate in a very positive way about our episode regarding gym programming, specifically Strength and Metcon. If you haven't listened to that one yet, please go check it out. We want to hear from you. The beauty of CrossFit is there's no right or wrong, but there's better and worse practices. So we're anxious to hear what you have to say. But in this episode, I've got a legend in John Gilson. John was huge in the CrossFit space and is still a really big deal right now. But back in the day, he started again faster, which rivaled Rogue Fitness as far as equipment and distribution. And you're going to hear him talk all about that in this episode, including how it was potentially the biggest failure that he's ever been a part of. But right now he's running the Gilson Consulting Group, and he's been a part of other big, big projects like the Whole Life Challenge, and he's run some other larger companies. A really smart guy graduating from what we'll talk about, a branch of the Harvard University, but certainly go check him out. It's worth doing. You can find him at gilsonconsultinggroup.com and all over social media, Instagram and Facebook. Go check him out. He's going to drop some knowledge on you today. I'm really excited for you to listen to this because it's going to dive even deeper than coaching, which he's phenomenal at, but all about running a successful business. Here we go. All right, I have John Gilson here. If you're listening with children, now would be a good time to get him to leave the room. <laughs> Gilson drops some F-bombs every once in a while. I always like to give a nice introduction, John. So Thank you. you. Are, Thank you. you are the founder of the Gilson Consulting Group, and you can find it at gilsonconsultinggroup.com. Also, founder of Again Faster. You were the CEO of the Whole Life Challenge. and I was trying to understand this, but you have a certificate in finance and control from Harvard Community College. The Harvard Extension School. So the community is, college was my my appellation on that. But yeah, write a check and, and go to Harvard. It's a pretty cool thing, actually. You don't need the word Harvard to realize John is a very smart person. But we're going to really dive into that because even before this, you were blowing my mind a little bit. And I wanted to Make sure we didn't talk too much about it. Your your current kind of passion piece, I think everything you wind up doing in your life is a passion piece. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I 
I am constantly guided by really one true north, which is, is this helping people or not? And I almost consistently, uh, exclusively gravitate into fitness and wellness, as you might imagine, from somebody who found CrossFit at, at 25 years old. Yeah, actually, one of my favorite memories of you, you might not remember, I was interning for seminar staff. We were outside of Gorilla Fitness, Kariana's box, and you were teaching the push press. And you were trying to get this guy to you know, do something with his push press. And you had sunglasses on and you li- literally lifted your sunglasses and looked like directly in this person. I forget what you said, but it was like, wow, that was super cool to watch you do it. Like you had to <laughs> remove your sunglasses so he saw your eyes and how passionate you were about that cue. And that would be my way uh, of surprising sounds, you. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like old school John for sure. Well, I, I learned a lot from you. So you were giving me such great information right before we hopped on. I want to make sure the listeners hear you. We were talking basically about member management. Mm-hmm. So what's your take on member management these days? Sure, sure. So I've spent a lot of my time thinking about it. And I try and reason, Jay, from what are called first order principles. So rather than say, hey, how does everybody else do this? I go right back to a blank sheet of paper and say, how should we do this? Knowing what we know about how people respond, how people behave, what buying decisions look like, why people stay in places. And I'm really trying to answer two questions. How can we put you in a place where you tell us as gym owners and gym managers why you want to be here. And can we promise you that thing? That's acquisition. And then can we provide it for you on an ongoing basis in a way where you consistently recognize the value of it? Because I made the insight a long time ago that the reason that people don't buy things or the reason that people don't continue to buy something like a membership that essentially, even if you're on contract, you can cancel any time, is because they're not getting the value that they were promised, or there's an incongruency between what they think they bought and what they got. And I think that happens a ton in our gyms. And so I've gone back to a process called discovery. And the process of discovery is finding out the quantitative, that is number, and qualitative, that is emotion, feeling, affect, self-report, the reasons that people are actually doing things. And what I'm conducting right now, I'm calling Project X. Uh, a lot of people will remember the AF project. They'll, they'll note my lack of creativity in naming these things. But what I'm aimed at is saying, can I teach discovery to the CrossFit world? Can I teach the processes that I've used uh, in building the whole life challenge in building my own businesses, in helping affiliates? Can I spread that on a wider basis? And can I get people to not be scared of the practice of management, not to see it as something that you like might do if you can squeeze it in between personal training clients? It's something you have to do if you want to succeed. Uh, but how can you do it in an intelligent, experimental manner where you are reasoning from first principles and not just saying, Oh, I read this shit on the, on the Facebook affiliate group, or I read this stuff in somebody's article or white paper. Therefore I'm going to do it. You know what this reminds me of? I, I actually attribute this to you often. I don't know that you created this, but you were one of the first people I heard talk about it was conscious incompetence and conscious competence. So you used to, I think you actually recently put a video up of, of it again, but this was years ago 
you would draw those boxes and you'd realize, and I remember you saying, hey, knowing what you're doing right is just as important as knowing what you're doing wrong. Sure, sure. So that is not at all my model. Uh, it's, a, it's a behavioral model of learning. Uh, my attribution would be off if I tried to give you one. But the basic idea is that the stages of learning con- are comprised of uh, unconscious incompetence. I'm screwing up and I don't know it, right? Conscious incompetence, I'm screwing up and I know it, which is essential to learning. You have to be screwing up and know it simply to begin that stage of saying, hey, I need help, I need to learn this. Then there's conscious competence, which is I'm, I'm doing this right, but I'm working very hard to do it right. And then there's unconscious competence, which is the highest level of performance is I'm good and I don't even have to think about it. So box owners, affiliate owners, and I'm assuming you work with other gyms as well, typically rely on these reports like we were talking about. What are some of the ports you find they rely on that have minimal bearing on their actual business? And what are some things they should be relying on? Sure. Well, I I can give you one of my bugbears right now is this idea that I'm going to look at a list of people who haven't attended the gym. And from that list, I'm somehow going to get them back in the gym. Right. So we're all familiar, I think, well, you know, a lot of your listeners will be familiar with a report that says something like, Jay hasn't come to the gym in 14 days, you should call him, right? And I've always had a, a, a philosophical problem with this under the idea that if you haven't come to the gym in 14 days, right, I'm trying to put out the fire after the house burned down. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make up with my girlfriend after she's put all my stuff in a trash bag and thrown it on the front lawn. It's too late. They're gone or they're evincing that behavior of being gone. And you, you understand what I'm saying there, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're, if someone's missing for that long, they should have been recognized 10 days earlier. 10 days earlier. And, and then, then you run into the arbitrary timeline. Should I intervene when somebody isn't there for two days, 10 days, 14 days, 28 days, right? The reality is, from my standpoint, that what we need isn't lagging indicators of behavior. We need, we need leading indicators of behavior. What is somebody doing while they're still attending the gym that evinces low commitment to their goal, right? And low commitment to the behaviors that are going to give them the result that they bought. So let me give you an example. I came to the gym. I came to the gym because I do CrossFit. I saw CrossFit on Netflix and people who do CrossFit are ripped. I want to be ripped, right? That is why most people come in, whether they see it on Netflix or not, they want to look better naked. Right. Or they, you know, or some variation, emotional need variation of that. I want to lose weight because being uh, overweight makes me unhappy. That leads to stress, et cetera. So there are, there are longer causal chains potentially than that, but yeah, people want to look good naked. And so they think that simply having come to the gym will do that. But the reality, as you know, and I know, is there's a whole constellation of health behaviors that they have to be taught. You need to be taught how to eat right, how to hydrate, how to minimize stress, how to sleep, how to recover from training, how to train in a sequential and and positive manner, how to make progress at complicated movement, both by skill training and by metabolic, just sheer work style training. And they think that simply by coming to the gym, they've accomplished that. We abet them by selling them things like two time a week memberships, right? Oh, cool. Let me make a promise I can't fulfill, right? So real quick, I don't to interrupt you there. Would you tell anybody that has that to get rid of it? 
unless you're using it as a gateway to something else. So, um, man, I'm going to skip all over the map, but if I can just take that as a sidebar, I believe one of the things we don't do when we bring members into the gym is engage in appropriate expectation management. And appropriate expectation management is the foundation of retention. Let me walk you through an idea. We're still in another idea, but that's fine. It's an idea within an idea. It's an idea within an idea. It's a meta idea. We're we're deep down the rabbit hole. And then you can pull me back to the other idea if you can remember what the hell it was. But with expectation management, what I want to do is say something like this. Jay, welcome to CrossFit XYZ. Uh, You haven't trained in a while. And the first thing that I want to do is get you in the habit of training. And here's how we're going to do that. I want you to commit to being here two days a week for the next month. That's all I need out of you. You have to show up. And that's the only thing that I expect of you on what days. And you respond. And let's say you respond, I can be here Tuesday, Thursday. I say rock and roll. To get you onboarded, I'm going to put you on a recurring two-time-a-week membership. But at the end of the month, we're going to upgrade that to a different membership because I want to get you first coming two times, and then I want to get you coming four times in month two. Cool? Now, at that point, after I've upgraded you and you're in month two and you're coming four times, I'm going to tell you something that very few people know, which is simply coming to the gym doesn't do the trick. I've got to teach you nutrition. And I'm not going to bother to teach you nutrition in month one or month two because I'm still reinforcing the habit of simply showing up at the gym. But if you can make it through day 60 and you can come eight times in month one and you can come 16 times in month two, I will teach you nutrition and your body will change. Deal? Deal. I'm in. Right? And what have I just done? You created some small, easy-to-achieve habits. That was the first thing I noticed. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you waiting for more? You, uh, no, you, I mean, I, listen, it's not, like, it's not a quiz. It, it's it's like, practice. It's yeah. practice and it's expectation management and it's a built-in upgrade. And it's the knowledge that I'm going to get you results, but you don't, you haven't earned them yet. I'm not giving you all the results. I'm going to give you, I'm telling you, I need a habit of here. Then I need a habit of here more. And then we'll talk about a habit of food. But first, the only thing I need you to do is show up twice next week. What days? And that's the other big thing. I got to keep you accountable for when you show up. And well, what I love is you've managed my expectations because I think this is really the lesson you're teaching. It's if, if someone feels like they should have had that six pack after three weeks and they don't, they're going to quit. I, uh, I did a couple pieces of data analysis on some gyms in Florida, uh, which I guess you can appreciate now, right? Yeah. Uh, that something like 60 to 65% of the people who quit gyms quit in their first six months of membership. So, you know, if you're listening as a box owner, the trick or the key is to get them over that six month hurdle. And how do you, this is a great way. And I was just listening to Tom Ziegler, you know, Zig Ziegler's son, and it was all about goals like this. And it was similar, short, manageable goals. He was getting people to run a 5K in the very first step was getting them to stand while they watch TV. You know, it wasn't even run. It was just stand while you watch TV. But, you know, I, I've had the, do you use uh, MyFitnessPal? Of course I use MyFitnessPal. I use MyFitnessPal as well. The act of tracking, the act of accountability is what's built into that software. It keeps me to some degree accountable for my behavior. And all I had to decide was before I eat a thing, I have to put it in this thing. That's 
funny enough with on your eating, one of the things we tell people always be tracking. You're going to go off on days as do I, but I track it and it kind of mitigates the damage that I would do. Absolutely. And, so, and a lot of these principles were underlying what we did at the whole life challenge as well. We were, we were looking at that entire constellation of health habits. Um, so, uh, you know, if we pull it back on track and say, what would be a leading indicator that somebody's going to quit your gym? Right. So we were talking about when to reach out to people, which goes along with that. I, deli- I, I, this is a one gym study. So use your critical thinking skills. It's not necessarily valid. But what I did was I figured out the number of available attendances a member had for each membership type. This particular gym had a two time a week pass uh, and a so two time. No, I'm sorry. They have a 12 time a month pass and an unlimited. And so what I did first for each member was I said, okay, each member in the unlimited category has 20 possible attendances a month. We know it's more than that, but I think that's a full training schedule essentially for most people. And then the 12th time a month, obviously I set that number at 12. And then what I did was I divided their actual attendance into that number uh, on a, a three month rolling average. And what I discovered was astounding that people who used less than 40% of their available attendances had a lifetime at the gym. That is the, the duration of their membership that was over two and a half months shorter on average than everyone else, even over 40%. And that, that, that was the astounding part. You don't have to use 80% of your membership or 60. You just have to use over 40 to be in an entirely different category of human being. Um, and probably more astounding was that, and I'm going to round these figures for the sake of rounding them, but the average lifetime value that is how much that member paid the gym when they were using more than 40% was incredibly consistent across three different percentage groups, about $4,200 in lifetime value, right? Each person's worth 4,000 bucks to the gym. If that doesn't get you thinking about management, I'm not sure what will, but if they're below the 40% threshold, that number was more like $2,800. So what I'm hearing is if I'm a box owner, getting my athletes from that two days a week to that three days a week is vital. Mm -hmm. And it's not about upgrading their membership. It's about getting them to use the membership they bought. Right. So I don't love the two day a week membership for what we discussed. I agree with you that it's a great gateway, et cetera, but it's always been like that. If I come in two days a week, I'm not going to give you what you want. And I've never positioned it the way you just did, which I wish I would have, you know, many years ago. So if you have that unlimited membership though, 40% is two days a week. So I need to get you to come in that third, that third day. And I love the way you, you positioned it earlier. If I was a box owner, I would steal that. I'd say, what days can I get you to come in? What days are you committing to? What times? I'm working, with, uh, I'm working with a gym right now. It's too early to give you any results on this at all. But what we're doing is we're creating an accountability program where the members will actually have an accountability buddy. So what they're going to do is declare publicly what days they're going to, and times they're going to come to the gym and they're going to have to find somebody else who's made a similar declaration. But what we're going to do, and this is, you know, this is completely uh, in process, uh, but I'm excited about it. We're going to teach them how to reinforce each other positively. So we're going to have a seminar where we say, okay, if your partner says I can't make it, what you're going to do is say, okay, cool. What day next week are you going to come instead? 
right? So we're going to start to build that muscle on teaching the members of this gym, not to rely on the coach for all this accountability, but to create some intra-member accountability. Uh, I don't know if it'll work. It could be a complete shit show, but I'm pretty excited about it. Well, and then for a box owner, they have their members doing some of their dirty work. Well, you know, Jay, one of the things I keep running into is people don't call me for consulting when they're like, hey, we're doing three quarters of a million a year. I'd really like it if it was a million. You know what I mean? They call me when they're doing like 200K a year and it, it would really like actually pay the bills if it was 250. And yeah. when I get that call. And the reality is a lot of people are owner operators. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I can't layer on a whole bunch of try this and try this and run this experiment when your staff consists of you and three quarters of your day is filled up with training clients. There's just no mental bandwidth for it. Yeah, it's like a, a member's not coming to you to get their 11th and 12th mu- muscle up. They're like, how do I get my first? And you're, right? <laughs> right. And you're like, hey, let's work on the fall script. You're, you're trying to work on the fall script and they, they still don't even have pull-ups yet. So you, what getting this accountability buddy is awesome. And I'm, from what I hear on that, it's, it's not just that, you know, if I'm holding you accountable, I'm also holding myself accountable. So it's, yeah. Gonna- and it, it, isn't that a dirty, fun little trick? So can box, you work, I'm obviously going to give people a way to contact you, but can boxes hire you for this already? Yeah. Uh, yeah. My client rosters like, pretty full, uh, frankly, but yeah, I can be hired. Um, I usually hear What I do is I, I spend some time on the phone with folks. They can sign up for a consultation right on gelsonconsultinggroup.com. Uh, that's free for everybody. I take them through a questionnaire, which in and of itself is pretty relevatory. Uh, if you're reading between the lines about the things you, you should be doing that maybe you're not, uh, then I typically spend an hour on the phone with anybody that, that, that fills that out. Uh, I have a feeling that, uh, I might have a lot of full hours if we make that too public, but uh, (laughs) rough problem. What, what are some other mistakes box owners are making? Uh, I think the number one that I see is not rationalizing the price against goal-based selling. Okay, so Dumb that down for us non-Harvard people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, can I just goal-based sell you stuff? Yeah. I'm like a you know, state, New, state of New York college. So. <laughs> SUNY Potsdam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, So, Jay, uh, the idea is very, very simple. I shouldn't be selling you a unit of time, okay? I shouldn't be selling you, well, I mean, it's that simple, right? Three times a week isn't something I sell you. Uh, An unlimited membership isn't something I sell you. Uh, Three hours of personal training, which is most obviously a unit of time, isn't something I sell you. What I need to sell you as a gym owner, is a solution to your problem, which means I need to know what your problem is, both physically, like rationally, and emotionally. I need to know why you're here, okay? So let's imagine that we're here on the the look good naked uh, trip, just for fun. Okay. Okay. And let's imagine that you're currently at 24% body fat. All right. Okay. Just for fun. Okay. And, and let's, let's make you the, the prospect and I'll be the sales guy and uh, I'll be the CrossFit sales guy and, and we'll kind of talk about this. So let's do it. Uh, Jay, thanks for coming into CrossFit XYZ. I'm super stoked you're here. Before we get anybody started, 
we as coaches want to understand why you're here because I believe that my job is to give it to you, uh, to give you the truth as to what you have to do to succeed and how I can help you do that. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions and, and the most simple and, and immediate one is what, why are you here? I'd like to lose weight. Cool. Uh, a lot of people come in with that. How much have you tried to lose weight in the past? I, in the past, I've tried it all. I've tried diets and they've not worked. And I tried running and I didn't enjoy it. It hurt my knees and my ankles. Cool. So you were using cardio respiratory kind of endurance to, to try and get there. Um, I think one of the things that happens quite a bit is people see the idea that I can run and I'll lose weight. And, and did you? I lost a little bit, but as soon as I stopped, I gained it back. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea that you can out train what you eat is very pervasive, uh, but it's not true. There's actually a couple pieces of that pie. I need to work with what you eat and how you exercise. Um, why do you want to lose weight? Well, I've been married coming up on two years now. And I want my wife to think I look good uh, when we are, you know, in the bedroom. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I can certainly, uh, I can certainly understand that. I don't think there's a man on earth that doesn't want uh, exactly what you're talking about. So if you got to that goal, what would you hear your wife say? Well, what would she say to you? What would you want to hear? John, I don't think I could say that out loud. Um, but <laughs> why don't you just think it to yourself? So would it be something like, honey, you look great. You've been putting in a lot of hard work. I'm so impressed. Yeah. That would be the PG version of it for sure. Yeah. And that, like, uh, there'd be some whistling and cat calling or something <laughs> like that. Right. Like she'd start smacking your ass when you walk into the room. Um, I completely get that. And we can make that happen. The way that we make that happen here at CrossFit XYZ is we need to walk you through two habits. The first is getting your show up muscle developed. That is you're coming to CrossFit. Okay. I want to get you on a consistent basis. And so what I'm going to ask you to do in a minute is I'm going to ask you to commit to being here with me a couple of days a week, but I need to know exactly what ones and I know to need to know exactly what time, because if I know those two things, I can help hold you accountable for being here. But you can also put it right on your calendar. Those are my CrossFit days. You follow me on this? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, rock and roll. Then after you show me that that show up muscle is developed, I'm going to teach you what to eat. Okay. That's going to take a while, but we've got systems. If I could tell you the exact roles, uh, rules of what to eat, how to track it, how to build it, that is how to go to the grocery store and make it, and the fact that you might actually have to weigh and measure your food, would that be an obstacle for you? Or is that hearing that come out of your wife's mouth a big enough kind of success that you would do that for me? Yeah, I think as long as you teach me well, I'm willing to give it a try. Okay, rock and roll. So then I'd lapse into what I, what I said to you earlier, Jay, about kind of habit building, et cetera. And then I'd say, and this is the crucial part. Okay, here's what I recommend. We're going to start month one, okay, at the three time a week level. That requires you to be on an unlimited membership, but you need to come this month 12 times, okay? Once you've done that, we're going to take a second month and I'm going to get you to come 12 times again in that month. Okay. Once you've come to this gym 24 times, which you could also almost do on fingers and toes if you were counting, right? Then I'm going to teach you nutrition, but only if you show me, you can show up on the days you say, 
24 times. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. Ready. I haven't said a fucking thing about money, price, okay, about value for money, et cetera. I just sold you what you sold me. And and what I like about that is you've just gotten two months of membership. You know, so many people, you sell this guy, and that's a real situation, right? Every box owner's heard that guy come in before or gal, and you sell them on that first month. And there's no goal. You gave me an immediate goal of I need to be there 12 days and I need to do um, 12 days in that month. And I need to do that again next month. Like I'm, I actually got a little excited about it. And I mean, I, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) you feel it, like you can't help but feel it that I was excited to be like, cool, I have a goal. And and I was challenging you. Yeah. I wasn't putting 100%. A lot of people go into the gym and they say, who is the onus of success here on you coach? Like I'm paying you money, deliver this. And it's like, that's not how this works. Yeah, that was great. And I, you know, if you get them, I think what we both know is if I can get that to happen for two months, my chances of getting him through that fourth month, like you said, is significantly higher. Well, and I also have something occurring on day 61, which I'm going to teach you about nutrition. Right. So then once you've got that, now I'm sure it leads to another set of small goals, which keep them coming to hit that four month number where you said, you know, is that make or break to, to get people to stay for a long term? Well, and never mind that there's an opportunity here to upgrade your membership to one that's CrossFit plus nutrition counseling. There you go. This is great stuff. And I'm how long did it take for you to learn that language? That's a, I mean, you're basically speaking, you're speaking English, but it's a different, it's like almost like the NLP language, you know, that Tony Robbins has made very popular and it's just understanding human beings. But how, how does somebody learn that from you? Um, I go back to first principles, Jay. And, you know, when I say first principles, again, what I mean is thinking critically about the problem. I have thought through why people want to do things. And so I use phrases like, I completely understand where you're coming from. I've felt that way too, because I'm creating a bond between us. I've said things like, what do you want to hear your wife say? And when you're unwilling to tell me, I'm going to tell you what you want her to say, because I want the emotional connection in your brain that you give a fuck that she says these things. And you also feel understood right? It's not like, yeah, like I want to look good naked, bro. I'm like, yeah, bro, get shredded like GTL, right? I'm like, I get it. I want to feel accepted and loved by my wife too. And I'm exhibiting vulnerability. I'm providing you with a solution. I'm challenging you to understand that solution and commit to that solution. And you might know that I got you to commit to about five things before I tried to sell you anything. You know, and then most of the people will be listening. I'll put this video up as well. But what you couldn't see is John's just emotional connection as well. Eyes, smiling. I love that you kept saying rock and roll. For some reason, that was my connection. You know, the way you said it, I was like, oh, this guy's in. Like, it it was important to you as well as to me. Right. And I think that's the underlying, Jay. And I'm glad you picked up on that idea that empathy matters a ton. I have to want this for you. If you want this, I want this. And I don't have to kind of sort of want it. I have to really actually in my soul know that if you do what I'm saying, you are going to succeed and I'm going to be the guy to help you do it. So let's take it a step further. Let's say I'm in, what percentage of people will, 
will go exactly as we just discussed and then fade off within those first 12 sessions? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. And, okay. Uh, not, not to any degree where I can provide you a, a percentage or specificity, but if you don't have at that point accountability mechanisms in place, this is my understanding, quite a few. Now, I have to back up what I just sold you. So the idea that I'm going to keep you accountable for being here on three days and these three days means I need a system for doing that. And that's where the sale has to match the product. I've had an experience in large companies, multi-million dollar companies, several times where I outmarketed a product, where I did what I just did with you and the product didn't live up to the hype. That is a huge way to get people out the door. So if you're going to promise it, you better back it up. And what we're doing now, again, with the accountability buddy system that you and I talked about is I'm trying to create replicable methods for affiliates to at scale, 200 members, 300 members, keep everybody accountable for every day and every time. And the reason that we went back to individual members helping each other, as you, as you so aptly noted, Jason, was that uh, you can't possibly do that if you're an owner operator and you've got 200 members. What have you seen over the years as kind of the ideal box size? I think that if I'm to generalize and I'm generalizing from no data here. So, you know, again, put on your critical thinking cap because this could be total bullshit. The, the owner model where the owner just has a bunch of part-time trainers is the broken model as far as I'm concerned, because there's a bunch of misaligned incentives where you can't get your part-time staff to do what you need them to do to grow the business. They won't take your no sweat intro clients or your, or your intro clients. <laughs> Here you go, Coop. I got you, buddy. Uh, they, you know, they won't, uh, they won't <laughs> mop the floor sometimes, right? Uh, we do things like ask them to trade out their time for membership and essentially indicating to them that we don't care what their time's worth. Um, that model, one owner trying to aggregate economic value to them and a bunch of part-time trainers doesn't work, never works. Uh, uh, again, anecdotal, I'm sure there's somebody who could get in your comment section and be like, it worked for me, uh, but they'd be few and far between. I think the better model tends to be owner, owner acting as manager, full-time well-paid manager, right? And at least full-time, one other to two other full-time employees. You need a staff of three to four to really implement all of the things that need to happen in a gym. Usually the question I get at this point is, okay, cool. I don't have the money for that. What do I do? Get good at selling. Rationalize uh, your pricing to a recurring basis where you know how much money is coming in next month. Eliminate the low commitment and no results memberships from what you're doing and study. I mean, study digital acquisition funnels. How do I get people on a website to read copy, to click through, to sign up for that intro, to come in for that intro, to get the sales pitch I just gave Jay, to sign up, and then how do you back up what you're selling them? If you can focus on those things, you'll get more clients. But at some point, as an owner, you're going to have to make this decision. You have a bunch of part-time employees, and you are the sole owner you are going to have to take a pay cut so that you can hire that person. And that's where most people get hung up. You know, they don't have an external source of cash. They don't have savings. And they're going, I can't give up my 
whatever, $80,000 a year income to pay 60 of it to Johnny? And the answer is, you have to. So the question is, do you know personal finance? Do you understand about living below your means? And are you capable of doing that? Or, or if that doesn't work, you know, marry a doctor or a lawyer. But <laughs> you've got to find a way to take a pay cut to get that first full-time employee and then use them to generate that next swath of money. Yeah. And if you're hearing what John said, that was the exact scenario I was in probably 2009 or 10 with my first affiliate. It was all two-hour week coaches working for their membership some of them still paying membership and I was frustrated with them. And I think at at my peak, I had five or six full-time employees and then was also paying the part-time ones. I've seen you post it often, you know, you need to be paying your coaches for their time. I, a huge pet peeve I have is when we have coaches meetings and coach box owners just expect these people to show up for free. It's like that hour doesn't matter because you're not coaching. That's still an hour of my life. Right. Right. Yeah, I want to ask some broader questions about the man, John Gilson. What, what is your favorite failure in life? My favorite failure in life. Um, I mean, I think that overall, the thing that I learned the most from was, uh, having to wind down again faster and sell the assets of that company to its in-country managers all over the world. Uh, it was a remarkable experience of thinking that I knew what I was doing by hiring professional managers and uh, really not realizing that the heart and soul of the business wasn't, it wasn't professional management. It wasn't paper. It wasn't degrees. It was really the fact that I was out there in the community all the time trying to help. And as soon as I stopped that behavior, because I thought I had to be a Fortune 500 motherfucker, right? I ruined a whole bunch with revenue, with relationships, et cetera. And I think it, it comes down to what I learned was that, first of all, you have to be, as a good CEO, at the forefront of your business, not from an internal facing standpoint, but from an outward facing standpoint. Those who truly succeed are those who are out talking to their clients, talking to their customers, removing barriers and layers between them. And the more barriers you build between yourself and your customers, the cooler you'll feel because you'll have a staff and you'll have a sports car and you'll have this stock over here and oh look real sexy but the reality is is you have cut off the information flow for everything that you actually need to know to keep building and growing that business so uh yeah i cut myself off from my clients in a big way uh and uh i won't ever do that again you know we've talked about it since then but to this day must be 10 10 or more years ago now, our little roundtable discussion that we had in Boston is something people still bring up to me. You know, so those, and you, I remember you coaching the muscle up, I think it was to Tanya Wagner. Like, you know, those types of videos of you out there, you're right. Is that out there? Was that Tanya at the games? That was, I forget where it was. I was there. It must've been at a seminar somewhere and you helped her get her muscle up. Yeah. Those videos out there, of you, yeah, you're right. Like that was a huge deal. You were again faster. No doubt. No doubt. Um, 
What is something that's true that almost no one agrees with you about? <laughs> I'm pretty good at getting people to agree with me, Jason. Uh, and I am pretty loud about the things that I think are true. Uh, and, and that's uh, that's one of Peter Thiel's questions from zero to one, if you haven't read it. Um, but uh, I'm going to pass on that one, buddy. I don't have a good answer for you. <laughs> All right. Well, I would say there are plenty that no one agrees with you on until you, <laughs> until they, well, I was going to say until they spend five minutes with you and they agree with you. So, yeah. you know, going, going back to all, all of this stuff we've spoken about, what are some immediate plays these box owners can make? Obviously they can reach out to you. What else can they be doing today to get, to get started with it? You know, people are fired up. I'm fired up. What do I do now? Yeah. Um, look up the idea of goal-based selling and value-based selling. Go back to genuine first principles and say, why do people do what they do? And am I actually creating a business that delivers that thing? So for instance, if I'm looking to deliver weight loss, do I have all of the components of weight loss being delivered in my product? If I'm just telling them to exercise, the answer is no. If I'm just telling them to exercise and eat right, the answer still might be no. Are you talking to them about mindfulness, stress control, et cetera? If you're selling advanced athletes or competitors on your programming, are you teaching them mindset? Are you teaching them recovery? Are you teaching them those principles? And so if you can go back to square one and say, why are my membership packages the way they are? Are they aligned with the goal that I would sell that against? And can I learn goal-based selling? You will make a lot more money. Just hard stop. The next thing you need to look at is who am I neglecting in this box? Who, who's been here for a long time or who's been here for a medium time who I haven't talked to about why they're here or doesn't have a clear why or a clear mode of accountability? And start asking yourself, not me, don't call me and ask me, like ask yourself, what could you do for them if it was just one person? Don't get hung up in the idea that it's a hundred of them. What would you do if this was one person and you were trying to help them? Once you have that answer, say, hey, can I make that scale? That's a solid nugget right there. Because how many boxes have those people that have been have passed that six-month mark, maybe even to two years, and they're just in their groove of they come in, they're happy, but all it's going to take is one thing in their life, and they're going to you know, email you, how do I cancel my membership? Yeah. You know, and and, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and what I hear is like there's goals that have to be set, and when you say make it scalable – Maybe it's it can be simple things like let's all sign up as a community to do this competition. Let's all run a 5K. Let's do a, some sort of challenge. But now we're giving these guys a, a carrot. We're dangling something. Yeah. And I, you know, the last thing that I give you, what can you do today? Be more transparent. Be more transparent. If you want to help them, tell them you want to help them. If you want to help them, show them how you're going to help them and solicit their feedback. One of the number one things I see from managers who are kind of new is that they come with the solution and they try and deliver it in a manual, i.e. here's how this gym is run handbook. Here's how our memberships run handbook. Here's what the accountability looks like handbook, right? Instead of delivering the solution, you need to engage in a discovery process. If you want to try something new, don't try it on all of your members all at once. 
find a select subset of them that you can experiment on and say, hi, I'm experimenting on you. We're going to see how this works, right? And see, can I actually, through being transparent, deliver on that promise? And if you can't, right, you haven't impacted your whole box. You've just impacted a, a few people. People respond to intimacy, honesty, and vulnerability. And if you're not engaging that with your staff and your clients, you're missing one of the hugest drivers of, of revenue on the planet. You know, you used that word earlier and you just used it again, vulnerability. And I th- when you said that, like, I want to help you, I think a lot of box owners and especially men, right, if we're generalizing, are afraid to say that. Like, there's nothing wrong with saying, I want to help you. This is what I enjoy doing. And, you know, I recently read a whole lot of Brene Brown and she's all about that vulnerability piece. And it was, it was cool. Cause I, I, as she's saying it, I'm like, yeah, I try to be this tough exterior and there's, there's no reason for it. And it's from a business perspective, potentially costing you dollars. Yeah. Who, who has been your biggest influence? Uh, Greg. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, for those listening, Greg Glassman, was he your biggest influence on, not just as a business owner, but also as a coach or in general? Greg is my biggest influence in terms of first having achieved something monumental by impacting the world in a very positive way. The other thing that I love about him is that he's a flawed man. And we all are, just so I'm clear about that. I'm not calling out Greg. But he has never tried to hide that. He's never tried to do anything other than own that. And so, you know, owning his his flaws is a tremendous asset to him. Uh, I've seen things like, you know, the shift in this community towards health and wellness rather than the shift towards competition. Uh, He's not going to be swayed by the screaming. He's not going to be swayed by the social media because he's reasoning from first order principles. He's saying, am I helping these people the way that I want to? And the answer was no for him. And so a lot of my friends found themselves on the job market, (laughs) frankly. Uh, But this was a man who said, I'm going to start at the things that matter. And I'm going to start thinking about people. I'm not going to spend my time thinking about how to maintain my empire. And if you can't respect that, uh, you know, um, I understand. But maybe think a little more critically about what's happening here. Yeah, you just said it really eloquently in a way, in a message that I've been trying to put out there and, you know, backing what he's doing. I mean, this is how you change the world. And I think a lot of people that aren't quite as smart as he is just simply see, oh, the games where he's 20 or more steps ahead of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, uh, I've often been criticized uh, quietly and loudly for having Greg's back no matter what. Uh, I think the reality is that that's a man who gave all of us our profession. If you're listening to this and you don't think Greg gave you your profession, um, I'd like to meet you. (laughs) And maybe we can talk about it over a beer because I'd love to hear your perspective. Uh, But that's something I'll be forever grateful for, having met him at age 25 and here now sitting here at 38 uh, with the ability to talk to you on a podcast that will be listened to by thousands of people and potentially sell consulting against a business that didn't exist in 2003. Yeah. Greg Glassman for president. (laughs) I would vote for him 
Last question. What's one book or more that you recommend the listeners check out? Uh, How to Measure Anything by Hubbard. All right, I will add that to my list because I've not heard about it. But if John recommends it, I will be reading it. Um, Let's give everybody the ways they can reach out to you. Uh, You can get me at gilsonconsultinggroup.com. You can get me at on Facebook uh, through a very quick search. I think it's uh, facebook.com backslash again faster. That one's been around a long time. That's my that's my personal handle. Um, you can tweet at me, but I won't hear it. You can send me pictures on Instagram, but I won't check it. Uh, so definitely head on over to the website and, and hit me up at Gilson Consulting Group if you want to talk to me. You can't hire him by the hour, but you can reach out to him. And I have no doubt if you reach out to John, you're going to make more. I mean, that's how I look at it. You, If you reach out to John, you're going to make more money. So I'm not sure what's what's stopping you at this point. The man is smart. He knows what he's doing. You've been an influence in my life. So I appreciate you being on the podcast. Anything else you'd like to throw out there before we sign off? Uh, I'm good, Jay. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot, John. We'll look forward to chatting again. All right. See you. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of their day. Take a moment, head over to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Google or whatever you use and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to best hour of their day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience. Do you have topics you want us to talk about? people you want us to interview. We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Best Hour of Their Day.